We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Thursday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today, we have Isaac Ukwu, Ole Miss transfer from James Madison. We talked about his path to Ole Miss, the transfer portal recruiting process, why he was lightly recruited out of high school, what he wants out of this coming year. Uh, he's also a podcaster. He has a podcast, a really good one called the Off Schedule Podcast find it on youtube i would highly encourage you to check out his youtube channel very talented dude off the field as well is incredible with graphic design and headers i was super impressed just a real sharp dude and a ton of fun talking to him about arriving at Ole miss in this upcoming season so buckle up i think you'll enjoy the conversation with a guy that will play a very important role in the Ole miss defense this year but first wanted to take a quick break to remind you this podcast has a new sponsor we are proud to welcome cspire as a presenting sponsor of the Rippy Rights podcast, the way businesses collaborate is changing. Seaspire Voice with WebEx gives your organization the tools to stay ahead. Call, meet, and message on any device, anywhere from one secure cloud-based platform. The past few years have shown us just how vital remote work is for businesses of all sizes, but you also want to protect your organization from cyber threats. That's why Seaspire Voice with WebEx has enterprise-grade security built from the ground up, so you can enhance how your teams work together in and out of the office all with reliability, availability, and scalability that traditional business phone systems just can't offer. Learn more about Seaspire Voice and WebEx can do for your organization at cspire.com slash business. That is, again, cspire.com slash business, Seaspire, customer-inspired. Also, check out their home and business internet. I have Seaspire home and business internet. It is awesome. You can't afford to have unreliable internet in 2023. I use it for the podcast. I can't have it going in and out. They have terrific home and business internet. Check that out today at cspire.com. Cspire customer inspired. Podcast is also brought to you by Rent the Sip Oxford. That's right. Rent the Sip Oxford. Are you looking for a place to stay on a football game weekend? Maybe you're just passing through for the night or an off weekend. Maybe you're trying to find a place for orientation, move-in week. I have got the place for you. Rent the Sip Oxford's Turnberry unit sleeps eight comfortably. It is gated. It has amenities such as a pool, tennis courts, and a sauna. It will sleep eight comfortably. Just go to rentthesipoxford.com today to check availabilities. Turnberry is located less than a mile from the Ole Miss campus. It is basically a straight shot to Swayze Field, almost a straight shot to Vaught Hemingway Stadium, just a bit further beyond those two points to get to the Grove. It is terrific location at an affordable price. You need to go there today and check out their availabilities. It can be hard to find a place, particularly on big weekends, to stay in Oxford. If you're tired of dealing with jacked up hotel rates, not looking to go the Airbnb route or something you can't rely on, you can rely on Rent the Sip Oxford. It's run and managed by Bracken Ray, longtime friend of... Well, me and the show, our basketball correspondent, he's not going to steer you the wrong way. It is a great opportunity. And if you go online to rentthesipoxford.com and book today, if you use the promo code RIPPYWRITES, that's R-I-P-P-E-E, WRITES, W-R-I-T-E-S, you get 100 bucks off any two-night minimum stay. Go ahead and check availabilities now. He's still got availabilities for the Mercer, ULM, and Vandy football weekends. Go ahead and hop on that now. It's going to book up fast as well as move in and bid day. If you have any questions about availability, just shoot him an email at 
Bracken, B-R-A-C-K-E-N, rentthesipoxford.com. He will answer any and all questions, and you can book through there as well. He wouldn't steer you the wrong way. Trust me, take advantage of this awesome deal. Check him out, rentthesipoxford.com. All right, here is Isaac Ukwu. All right, we now welcome on Ole Miss transfer from James Madison, Isaac Ukwu, podcast extraordinaire on top of being an extraordinary football player. I appreciate you joining us, man. How you been doing? I've been doing good, man. Just getting used to being in Oxford, Mississippi and uh, learning the guys and the way they do things here at Ole Miss. Yeah, and it's interesting that the transfer portal guys are always fascinating to me because I imagine in the last two, three months or so, you've had a lot of stuff thrown at you and a lot of change in life, right? You go from Virginia to Mississippi, and I guess we'll start there. You've spent five years at James Madison, and you decide you want to go kind of test the waters at a higher level. When did you enter the portal? What went into that decision? And kind of what was your mindset when you entered the portal? Uh, so I entered the portal in, um, I want to say it was May, or maybe the, it might have been the end of April is when I entered the portal. Um, and, you know, my mindset was just that I had been in college so long that I just wanted to maximize my last year of college and give myself the best, best shot of going to the NFL. Um, and I felt like, scouts had already seen what I could do at the at the uh, in the Sunbelt and in the FCS level and I thought just going to the highest level of football would benefit me uh initially when I hopped in the portal I didn't know that I would get like these SEC offers like right away or anything like that um because you, you kind of you you have an idea of how good you are but you kind of don't really know until you put yourself out there so I was definitely pleasantly surprised to get um, all these SEC teams reach out to me and say they're interested in me coming to their school. But um, it was definitely a sigh of relief because, you know, you never know. There's a lot of people who are still in the portal who hopped in even in December of last year. So, you know, you never know how it's going to go. So I'm just blessed. What made you decide between Ole Miss? I know you took visits to Auburn, Missouri. I listened to your podcast or the podcast you did with The Athletic where I think you get like five visits or whatever and you kind of shut it down after three because you're like, this is just a lot. Like, I don't want to waste other people's time. You take those three visits. What kind of stood out about Ole Miss? Um, I think the thing that stood out the most about Ole Miss was their their commitment to winning. Um, obviously, their season last year didn't end the way they wanted to, um, but it seemed like they were all in on this season and, and getting it done this season. And then also the relationship I was able to build with Coach Golding and Coach Joyner. Um, they were really heavy in my recruitment and, and convincing me of the ways I'd be utilized here and how I'd be successful here. And um, that, I say that was the main thing. You just just wanted to come in and win and compete at the highest level, obviously in the SEC, is which all three schools offered. But um, Ole Miss's success in the past and what they've been able to accomplish really stood out to me. And the portal recruiting is different because at this point, you know, you're 20 something years old. It's a lot different going than going through the high school process when you're 17 or so. And like, you know, they do like the photo shoots and all the extracurricular stuff. But I imagine like portal recruiting wise, you know, you've kind of been there, done that in terms of the latter part of it. Like for the lack of a better phrase, you probably didn't want any of the extracurricular bullshit. You probably just kind of wanted like, how are you going to use me? How am I a good fit here? Because you were a one year guy. You got one more year to play here. Was that yeah. kind of something that was like, did you kind of value that more so than all the extracurricular stuff and kind of what stood out about Ole Miss's pitch about how they could use you and what made it seem like the best fit? Yeah, for sure. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't really into um, all the extra stuff and honestly, for the most part, I didn't really want to take pictures, but I just felt like uh, I was, I should, I should do it because I was there. But honestly, if I had it my way, I probably wouldn't have taken pictures either. Um, but yeah, at Ole Miss and the way Coach Golding was was mapping everything out and showing me exactly where they'd be putting me, like moving me around, creating mismatches, mismatches one-on-ones, and then the success he's had with players at the jack position in the past, um, even back to his time at UTSA uh, when he had Marcus Davenport and stuff like that. So um, he was able to show me that it wasn't just uh, Alabama situation because, you know, Alabama has the best players. He was able to show that he did it before he even got to Alabama. Um, and I just felt like it would be cool to try something new, being a 3-4 outside linebacker, show my versatility, being able to drop and rush the passer. Um, and, yeah, just the way they the way they mapped it out, it was just really cool. What did you think of Oxford? I'm born and raised Mississippi and from Jackson, went to school at Ole Miss. Had you ever been to Mississippi? Like, Oxford is very unique because it's, like, different than a lot of the rest of the state. What did you, like, think it would be going in, and were you surprised at all once you got there? 
Um, yeah, I thought it would be a small town. I was uh, I was surprised kind of how it looked. I remember I joked with my brother that it kind of looked like they'd be doing like uh, duels in the middle of the streets at like dawn, <laughs> something like that, like like with a tumbleweed rolling across the street and stuff like that. Um, I was surprised to see some of the, um, a lot of the, like in the square, a lot of the um, buildings had like the little balconies that you see a lot in New Orleans. Um, so that was, that was cool to look at too. But yeah, it was definitely, I definitely expected a small town, but kind of the architecture and the way it was built up kind of surprised me. So what happens once you decide you announced it on your podcast, like how quickly do you get to Ole Miss? What are like the next steps when it's like, okay, I'm going to Ole Miss. How quickly did you get to Oxford? What were kind of the next steps like? Um, I think so after I made a decision, I went to Oxford, like, I think like, it was like either a week and a half or two weeks later. That's when they started um, their June uh, work, like their summer one workout session. Um, so the process was really fast. The moment I decided I had to apply to the school, um, apply to the graduate program um, so I can get into classes and stuff like that, because you can't work out without being in classes. So it was very accelerated, like application, writing the essay, getting letters of recommendation, getting into the school, like it was definitely stressful, but um, it was a relief being done with the whole process. You know, it, it wasn't, I would say the process wasn't as fun as it was when I was a freshman because of the fact that, I mean, like in high school, you had a lot of time between when you got your offers and when you had to make a decision. Whereas with this one, it was like three weeks that I really had to make a decision. Um, but yeah, the process moved really fast. Within two weeks, I was in an apartment in Oxford getting ready to start workouts. You enter the portal and you get a lot of interest initially. And I know a lot of that is as gratifying as it is can be overwhelming. I heard you on that athletic podcast that I mentioned earlier talking about like, you know, you had people contacting you daily, which is crazy. Cause like you take the visits, you got a lot of interest from a lot of different places. But like my first thought was like, do you not run out of shit to talk about if they're like hitting you up daily? Like, what was that process? Like, was that kind of overwhelming to deal with throughout? Yeah, it was definitely overwhelming. A lot of repetitive conversations, um, a lot of like pitches and sales and stuff. And like, um, it was it, it definitely was overwhelming. Like it, it started to get really annoying towards the end um, with people hitting you up all the time, constantly saying the same things over and over. And it's like you kind of just needed time to yourself. So like before I made my decision, I like shut it down for like three days because I was like I, I told all the coaches, I was like, you guys got to chill out. Like it's it's too much to you hit me up all the time. Pretty sure your families want to talk to you, you know, just go, <laughs> go do something else. I, I'll just let you guys know when I decide. So coming out of high school, you go to James Madison, you know, you had some offers from some FBS programs, took some visits. What ultimately, like, what was kind of your high school recruiting process? Like it, you know, obviously you weren't like a you know, rivals top 100 guy. What, like, were, what was the reason you were under recruited? Were you undersized? I know you're from a small town. Like what, what kind of led to your high school recruitment and not being necessarily on like the national top 25 programs radar? Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, a lot of schools were saying I was undersized, but then I would see guys my size still get picked up. So I'm not 100 percent sure what exactly it was. It probably they just didn't see um, maybe it was a production or the athleticism that they wanted to see at that time. I don't know. When I came out of high school, I was about like 220. Okay. So I guess I guess they could say that was kind of small, but there's still guys coming in who are like 220. So it's um, I just didn't have I didn't go to a lot of camps or anything like that or 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 go to like a private school or things of that nature. So that, that might have hurt me a little bit. But, you know, it, I was fine with it because, you know, when I went to JMU, it, where JMU was positioned was kind of the type of player that I was. You know, they they were a school that had been successful. They're successful at their level. You know, some people overlooked them and thought. They weren't this, they weren't that, they couldn't compete with this, they couldn't be, compete with that, but they were still successful in what they did and winning at what they did and having fun in what they did. And and that's really the type of player that I was. So I think it was a perfect match when I uh, initially went to JMU. You visited Coastal and a couple other different FBS places. When you mentioned, I've heard you mention before on some other stuff you've done, like JMU was the best football fit. Did you really care at all that they were FCS versus FBS? Did that factor into the decision at all? Uh, no, not really. You know, um, at the time, yeah, I visited Coastal, but I I saw JMU success because they had just come off winning a national championship. And I thought that 
it just felt more fun to me. It felt more like I would have a better time there than going to Coastal. Because it's like, in my eyes, at that time, I'd rather be at the top of the FCS than like middle towards the bottom of the FBS, you know, because like I like the the concept of going to the playoffs, competing and winning or going home and, and all that stuff where if you go to school, like when you at that time, you go to school like Coastal or one of those um, group of five schools, you're not getting a shot at going to the championship or right. or the um, college football playoff or anything like that. So that's really where that really factored big into my decision. Yeah, that's a weird part of college football where like the the lower level group of five schools, like that's really the only level football like at all that you have no shot of like winning the ultimate prize. Like it's a very weird quirk in the whole college football ecosystem. Your path at James Madison is fascinating to me. You get there in 2017, you redshirt your first year, you play mm-hmm. a little bit in a few games in 2018, you have an injury in 2019. COVID happens. Did you get to, I guess the way to encapsulate it is you went almost three years without suiting up for a football game between injuries and COVID. Did you get injured twice or is it the same injury? Kind of take me through that downtime you had of almost three years without playing a football game. Yeah, I got injured. Um, so the first time I got injured was 2019 in August camp. And then when we came back the next year, so we had COVID, we went into lockdown. What was it? March of 2020, I think yeah. is when we went into lockdown. So I did like the second half of my rehab in in lockdown and all that and they had moved the fcs season to the spring right so we ended up not coming back until october for quote-unquote fall camp like we didn't do fall camp till october and in fall camp i ended up tearing my other acl in october so i missed that whole um spring season uh where we went to the semifinals and then um so then i was rehabbing rehabbing up until the, the next season which i was able to play the last two seasons And the injury piece of it is interesting to me because like from a fan's perspective and even like media covering it, when a guy gets hurt, they're just kind of out of the spotlight. You're like, all right, they'll be back in six, nine months or whatever. But from the player's perspective, I don't think people, enough people talk about like the idea that you're just going through the same shit again, every single day, rehabbing it almost with like no end in sight. You have two knee injuries, you know, before you get to the season in camp that had to be hell in some ways. Like, how did you get through that amount of time without being able to play football and doing like ultimately the thing you love to do? That's a long time. I imagine that had to be both frustrating, demoralizing, whatever you want to categorize it. How did you get through that time? Um, I would say it was, it was really God, man. You know, uh, I just had to look at the other things in life that I was able to do and excuse me and enjoy those things. You know, it was hard, especially with my first one. Cause I had a meniscus with it. So I was on crutches for eight weeks. So like I was on crutches for two months in the heat, going to classes and stuff like that, crutching around campus. So it was definitely tough. There was very, very hard days, hard nights where um, like I was questioning, like, would I be able to play football again? Especially with the second one, having it happen again before you even get a chance to really see a lot of action on the field at all. It's like, it was like, man, is this not meant for me? Am I actually going to be good? Is it like, how am I going to be when I come back and things like that? But it was really just God and then my family and my teammates and my friends, you know, like being able to come in day in and day out and see my friends succeed and my teammates do good things and, and all that. Like we made it to the championship the first year that I got hurt. And then the second year we made it to the semifinals. So it, it was definitely still fun cheering on my teammates and seeing them do well. Um if we were losing a lot, it probably would have been even harder, but right. <laughs> us winning and, and, and having fun and, and just like JMU, like I said, JMU was just very, a very comfortable place for me. Like I had a great time being there. Uh, it was a fun, loving environment from the people, not even, even outside of football, like the people there, the teachers, the other students and, and the support they had that we had from them. Like it was, it was a great time. With both of those injuries, you know, they happened before the season and I know, I mean, look, you get after a decent bit in fall camp, but they try to limit the contact. The goal is not to get anyone hurt. I mean, you kind of see it at the NFL level. They do less and less contact stuff. What happened on those two injuries? Was it non-contact stuff? Like, what happened on both of those? And, like, what was kind of the the story behind each of those injuries? Uh, they were both contact, actually. It both happened where, like, I was planting right when I was getting hit by, like, an old lineman from the side. And like my, I just, I just had a, a little bit too much weight in a certain position and, and my knee just gave out on both, both occasions. So it was kind of crazy. Like both of them was when I was like engaged with the lineman. So the first one I was engaged with the tackle 
And um, I had planted with my outside leg, and then the guard came and hit me from the inside okay. as I was engaged with the tackle. So, like, it was just – it was like however many pounds them two fat boys put together, like, on <laughs> one leg. So it just gave out. And then the second one, I had done an inside move, and I had gotten grabbed by the tackle, and it, like, kind of torqued my body. And it torqued my body to the left, so my right leg was – got straightened out and landed and hyperextended. And that's how it happened for the second one. So yeah, they were both in contact in phase injuries. And so the first one happens and like with modern sports medicine, like ACL injuries or meniscus or whatever it is, it's not really like what it used to be. You know, you heal mm -hmm. a lot faster. The technology, the science is a lot better, but I imagine for that second one where you finally spent all that time rehabbing, you build it back up and then to have, mm -hmm. have it happen again in camp, did you know in the moment, because you guys are athletes, you kind of know your bodies as, be as well as any humans in the country. Did you know the second time it happened, like, oh, shit, this is serious again? And I imagine part of you had just like, are you, are you effing kidding me like this is happening yeah. again? Yeah, the, the second time I definitely had a feeling something was wrong. Because, like, the moment – so, like, I – like I said, I hyperextended it. But, like, I had, like, stopped it from fully – the first one was, like, violent. Like, when it happened, yeah. it was, like – loud pop you heard it and like fell to the ground the second one it was like it happened but then i like it didn't follow i didn't follow through if that makes sense like the moment my leg hyperextended i like quickly raised it up and was like but then when i took the next step i could feel my leg like shift and i was like oh shit so then i started yeah and i was walking to the sideline and every step i was taking i was feeling it shift and shift and shift so then I had told the trainers and then they were like, they like did the little ACL test and all that. And they were saying like how it felt fine. Um, but in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. It seems kind of loose. And there's just little things that are happening. Like I was getting out, I would be getting out of the car and like twisting and I would feel like the bottom half of my leg, like stay in place while the top is moving, like stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, it definitely seems like something's wrong. So then I, I, I pressed the issue. Uh, and then we ended up getting MRI. I actually practiced like two days with it torn because um, I was like, they were telling me it was okay. So I was kind of like buying into it. Um, but then after a while, I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't working. So then we got an MRI and saw that it was torn and it was like hanging on by like a thread. It was like a couple strands holding it together um, and that I would need surgery. And I was really kind of devastating because like I had gotten to the point where I was actually starting to believe maybe it was okay. And maybe I was just being paranoid because of the other one. And then to be hit with that before the season, uh, again, it, it was definitely tough. And that's a large piece of it, too, is you have the first injury. Like, I, I feel like another piece of it that doesn't get discussed enough is you have the first injury. There's a lot of it that goes into, like, trusting that leg again and trusting that you are actually healthy. You have all this time off, and then when you kind of get back in the arena again, I imagine it took some time after the first injury just be like, okay, I am healthy. We're all good here. And then to have that happen, I imagine it was just crazy. When they moved the season to the spring, did you have any hope of playing that spring season or was it just no bueno from the start? Like, did you have any sort of mindset that, hey, maybe I'll actually be good by spring of 21 or whatever it was? Oh, no. Because, like, so when we went to camp, it was October. So Oh, so that's less than six months. So no shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The season was starting in, like, I want to say, like, the end of January or, like, beginning of February. So, like, when I toured in October, I was like, yeah, it's over. Like, <laughs> there ain't no chance. If it was, like, a MCL, maybe, or, like, a, a meniscus, and maybe, yeah. But, like, ACL, yeah, you're out at least six months. So, you finally recover from all of that. You finally return to be beyond the global pandemic of just, like, what the hell are we doing here for about nine months? You finally yeah. return to a sense of normalcy. You're healthy. You're getting your first like real significant taste of major college football, but you're like an older guy at that point. But you're also like just kind of getting your feet wet in that standpoint. Yeah. How gratifying was it to actually step on the field the first time? I bet that had to feel awesome. Yeah, it felt great. Honestly, it felt awesome even before that. Like you asked some of my teammates from back then, like I was tearing up after we finished fall camp. Like I bet you're like, holy shit, I got through a camp finally. Yeah, because to that point, I hadn't made it through camp for the past two years. So like making it through camp was big for me. And then being able to um, play in the first game, like in front of Bridgeforth, like after just seeing it as like a um, as like a bystander for the past two years, it was definitely cool as hell. Like I always remember that. Um, it was definitely fun.
not that you ever doubted yourself, but you finally get on the field, you produce that 2021 season. Did you ever have to kind of prove it to yourself of like, I I'm actually really good at this. Like we're all good here. This is finally on track. I am good at football. Yeah. Like, I knew, like, I knew I was good. Like the moment I came in as a freshman, um, I was doing really, I felt like I was doing really well against older players, veteran players. Um, you can even ask some old teammates. Yeah. <laughs> like me and, like me and uh, I don't know if you know who Aaron Sidney is. He plays for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. But me and him used to go out and practice all the time. And as a true freshman, he was like a fifth-year senior. And um, I used to go at it with everybody. So I always knew I was good and I knew I could play. It's just I had to get it on the field, you know, and – um I definitely was like proven right when I did get on the field and was able to showcase my ability from the get go. Um, it was just frustrating, you know, because like sometimes I'd be thinking like, man, what if I never got like based on how I've been playing? It's like if I never got hurt, I probably would have been out of college in the league by now, you know. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of tough, like to when you look back on it. But you're like, you can't change the past. You know, I, I just got to focus on where I am now and, and make the most of that situation. So you go through that 2021 year and like another very fascinating wrinkle of your whole story is that James Madison goes from FCS to FBS. They like go mm -hmm. up to kind of the big leagues of college football. Did you, I, I got, I, I tried to look this up earlier, but I got like conflicting timelines. Did you guys know in that 2021 season that like the next year you were going up? Like, did y'all have, like, when did you get that news? What was that timeline like? Um, Did we know? Uh, I think, yeah, I, I think we knew towards the end. Yeah, okay. yeah, because I remember it was before, yeah, yeah, I think we knew towards the end because I remember it was before the playoffs. Okay. Because we had to know, because, like, I remember all the other sports were mad because when they announced that we were moving up to the Sun Belt, it meant they were, like, disqualified from their playoffs, but we were, like, the only sport that could still play their playoffs for that year. Right. So I remember the other sports were mad at us and all this stuff. Yeah. So we knew like it was like right before the playoffs is when we found out that we were moving up to the Sun Belt and everything like that. And then. um, So, yeah, it was definitely like, a oh, it's our last chance to win an FCS title. Unfortunately, we didn't do it. But, um, yeah, that was definitely the vibe. What would you say is the biggest difference between the FCS and the major FBS level? Because James Madison is an elite program or was at the FCS level. And you guys, I can't remember the exact timeline, but you guys went and played NC State really, really close. Y'all had a game with West Virginia. I don't remember if you were there yeah. for that point of it. But, like, y'all didn't get blown out. They had a game in 2020, obviously the famous one where they beat Virginia Tech. So you guys are competitive with, like, some of the more elite programs in college football. But, like, you've played both levels of it now. What is the What, what would you say is the biggest difference between, like, you know, high-level FBS and F FCS? Um. I would say I would say the playoffs are pretty much the same type of competition you would see in like a, a Sun Belt conference. Like when we played like Montana and like um, NDSU and who were some other teams we played. Like some of the other playoff teams. When you get in the FCS playoffs, I'd say that's about the same level as like the Sun Belt. But in in and out, like week in and week out, you're not playing the same level of competition. But there's still like a lot of good teams, like like Villanova could probably play in the Sun Belt, I feel like, and, and like Delaware and some of those teams that have had a history of being pretty good at the FCS level. Um, some of the teams that gave us tougher times when we were in the FCS. Um, I would say, yeah, the consistency of good players okay. is different in the FBS, but the level of good players isn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, so like yeah the absolutely. Good, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like the more good depth. players. It's like the top uh -huh, yeah, level yeah. teams. It's it's the same, but when you get into the bottom level of non-conference games, you're the bottom teams in your conference, not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so one of the things I wanted to ask you is obviously you guys win a couple times during your career. The second time I think you played the Fargo Dome, uh, mm -hmm. North Dakota State. It's seen on TV now. You know, game day's been there a time or two. Like it's kind of famous now. You know, in December, you always see the playoffs there that it seems like they're always hosting. What is that place actually like? Like, is it loud? Is it big? What was it like being in the Fargo Dome? Yeah, that's the thing. It's not big, but it's definitely loud. Yeah. Like, it's loud as hell. And, uh, luckily, they, I mean, and they have really smart fans where it's like, when we were on defense, they were quiet as a mouth. Like, it was silent. So that was good, on, uh, good for us, I guess, because uh, we could hear all our communications and stuff. But when we got on offense, it was – 
insane. Like, and they're right behind you. Like they put the the way they do the sidelines of the stands. They're like right over you. Like no one was saying anything like crazy or bad or anything like that. But they were screaming at the top of their lungs. And we had a couple. Um, we had a couple drive killing false starts because of the noise. So it's definitely a big advantage for them being at home and and uh, being able to have that home court advantage. And what's wild is I was going back and looking up a couple of box scores from y'all's matchups with uh, North Dakota State. And like one of the matchups, I want to say it was 2019. It was the two quarterbacks were Trey Lance and Ben DiNucci. And it's like if you yeah. bet that both those guys would start multiple NFL games over the next couple of years, <laughs> like that's just wild. And it kind of shows you the depth of talent in college football as a whole. So you go through the 2022 season. You have a great year last year. You mentioned you entered the portal in May. What like so you did you go through spring football at JMU? Like that seems like a little bit of a late time to enter the portal. Like for a guy like you that was highly sought after, I just assumed like you'd maybe go in in January. Like you mentioned, like I don't know what the interest will be. I figure I'll have a place to go. Did you have some inklings? Did you have people kind of in your ear being like, hey, you're gonna have interest at the next level? Like what actually pushed you to get in the portal? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like friends and stuff were saying, like, if you did, because I, I was asking people, asking people, like, what they thought of it and what what they thought of the situation. They're like, because I was like worried I wouldn't have that much interest, but they were all just right. telling me it was more like a confirmation, bro. You're gonna be fine. Like, if you do do it, you'll definitely have interest. You'll definitely have somewhere to go. Um, and if anything, Jamie would be dumb not to take you back, like things like that. So that was really um, how it was. But I still, something in the back of my head was still like a little worried, like how it would go and stuff like that. And I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to leave or not, honestly, because like I really loved it at JMU. And um, it's like, it's the known. Like I knew that I could come to JMU. I knew I could be a starter there. I knew I could compete for some belt defensive player of the year, like things like that. So to give that up and go and go into the portal and go somewhere where they have guys already who have played and you never know like who's hiding, you know, sometimes there's people hiding on the depth chart. You don't know about and stuff like that. I used to be one of those players. Yeah. Like, people, like people would come to JMU and they didn't know they had a guy who had two ACL injuries, who, who was primed to be, the next big player on their team. It's like stuff like that. You never know. So it's definitely a risk, but um, that's why I kind of took me like the whole semester to really pull the trigger on it. We'll get back to Isaac in just a second, but I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked at the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Football season will be here before you know it. Go ahead and sign up for Skybox Sports Picks, college football, and NFL picks. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, 
You can go season long, all sports, sports centric. I'd recommend just get the year long total access package. It's going to save you money in the long run. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Don't lose money this football season by thinking you can just go off your own lanes in your own brain. Skybox Sports Picks goes by the math. They are the professionals. They hit and make money consistently every single year. If you're into sports wagering, just do yourself a favor. Go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a picks package. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off. They'll email you the picks in a nice color-coded spreadsheet by unit, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were trying than you were you were before trying Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber. That's rippywrights.substack.com. You get free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now it's three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. Just go in and show Greg proof of subscription, and boom, that'll get you covered. Go find all your own favorites once you get set up there. It's prom grilling season. The weather's great outside. Enjoy the summer. Throw something awesome on the grill. LB's is the best butcher shop in the world. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right. Back to Isaac Uklu. That 2022 year, last year, you guys go to the FBS level. It's weird because, like, I imagine you guys are excited. It's like, all right, we're going to actually get to play in an FBS conference. And then one of the most bullshit rules in college sports <laughs> – that it's like, oh, wait a minute, you guys don't get to do the postseason. You guys win your division the first year, but it's like, actually, you can't go to the conference championship game. You're not eligible for bowl eligible. It's like, this actually kind of sucks, and it also makes no sense. Like, what was, like, the team mindset there? Because, like, you guys kind of wrecked the league the first year you're there. You win the division, but you're not allowed to compete for anything. Like, how did y'all handle that? Because, obviously, y'all want to win conference championships. You're competitors, but you're not allowed to do it. How did you guys – balance the excitement of going to the FBS level versus like, we can't actually compete in the postseason. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things I love about JMU. It's like, we win because we just want to win. Like yeah. it's like <laughs> week in and week out, it was just trying to win the game. Even when we knew we wouldn't be able to make it into the, um, the championship game, it was just, we were just motivated to go out there and win and, and, and prove to people like really put on for the FCS and prove to people like it's not that big of a gap that what everyone thinks it is, you know, and to come out there and and, and just win night, uh, week in and week out. That was really what we were motivated by. And then also it was like a pride thing. Like we had pride in JMU and wanted to showcase that. Did y'all, did you know that rule? Did y'all have to get told that rule? Like when was the first time you learned? It's like, actually we can't do postseason this first year. And you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> no, I knew about the rule. Like the moment they okay. um, announced it, I knew about the rule because I had heard about it with other schools. And then um, our DC at the time, uh, Coach Heatherman, he was talking about how when he was at ODU, he had to do the transition year with them. And um, how even though they won a bunch of games, they weren't able to go to a bowl or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, we we had a pretty good idea about what the situation was. We were crossing our fingers that we get like some type of special waiver or something like yeah. that or something crazy. We were thinking like if we went undefeated, maybe they would they would be forced to like let us in. Like this is after we had started like five and oh. We were like, man, maybe if we go undefeated, we might be able to force like enough media coverage to make them give us a like a bowl game at least or something like that. But it didn't end up going like that, but which is fine, you know, honestly. I it still was one of my it was my favorite season of football ever that I ever played because just that team and um, the young guys on that team that were able to step up and then how we were able to overcome adversity. We started really good, had hit a little bit of adversity and then finished super strong. Like uh, it was a great season. You were the first F first year FBS program to achieve a top 25 ranking. I mean, I think that kind of says it all in terms of like the caliber of football team y'all had. You mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, like I was asking you about the difference between FCS and FBS and you're like the depth of it. You guys had a great season. I think y'all lost three in a row in the middle. Like, was that kind of what you were alluding to? Where it's like, all right, there's no down weeks. We're in, in conference. We're just going to crush these guys. Like, every team has pretty capable players. Was that part of it at all? I imagine you probably hadn't lost three games in a row in your entire time there at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was definitely part of it. It was um, when we ran into teams, like, we ran into Marshall, and we didn't have our starting quarterback, you know. And um, that in, like, in the CAA – we probably still would have been fine, you know, right. but in, in the Sun Belt, like, it's, that's not rocking. Like, they, the way that they were able to, I mean, also, we lost that game, too. Like, we, we didn't play well, and uh, we weren't able to close it close it out. But um, things of that nature, like missing guys, people getting hurt and stuff like that, we just didn't have the depth 
to really rotate guys on defense and stuff like that. We were playing a lot of snaps, especially Carp, like James Carpenter. He was playing damn near every snap of every game for the entire season. And uh like he's a real workhorse. Like he's he's look out for him this year. He's gonna have a great season. Um first team all conference type season. But yeah, like uh it was a lot of guys having to play a lot of snaps and special teams and stuff like that. And it started to wear on guys for sure. But I feel like once we were able to bounce back, we finished the season really well. So you play the position, I mean, some people call it like Jack linebacker. You're kind of one of the best athletes on the field. You're not really a defensive end, but you're like a big linebacker. Um, and I thought it was fascinating. At JMU, under your little stats page, they called it uh, the stud position. You kind of have mm-hmm. to be a badass if your position's called the stud, right? I mean, that just has to become with a first line of the resume, right? Like, I yeah, imagine that was pretty cool being like, I played the stud position. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because uh, when we went to Sunbelt Media Day uh, last summer, and I was telling uh, one of the interviewers like that I played stud and all that. He was like really into it uh, because of the name of the position. But yeah, it definitely comes with the territory. Like having a name like that, you got to be one of the baddest cats on the defense. And um, yeah, I, I pride myself in that. It's definitely it's definitely cool playing that versatile type position. You know, like because in the league, that's where that's where the money's made. That's where the guys that that make that cause the most havoc and and have the most impact on the game. That's where they play at. Like T.J. Watt. Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack, like those type of players. What do you think your biggest strengths are as a football player? Like if you're describing someone like what you do on the field on a Saturday to Saturday basis that didn't know a ton mm-hmm. about college football, how would you describe kind of what you do and what your strengths are? I would say my strength, one of my strengths is like literally my strength and like my ability to to um, dominate one-on-one blocks and press, and press the edge and, and things like that. And then I'll also say, my technique is really good in my ability to do my job and and be in the right places and 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 not have any busts with like contain and being in my gap and and um I would say my long arm too has been really good. Like I've really been honing in on that. Like I really like to model my game sort of a little bit off of Khalil Mack and his ability to use power to get to the quarterback and um power to dominate the run and get TFLs. And I feel like that that that's another big part of my game. And the way that kind of edge in position is evolved as football's gotten more modern, a lot more speed on the field is like, it's not really just brute strength. Like I, I've had a couple of people that have played similar positions. You like describe it as like hand to hand combat, but it's really an mm-hmm. art. Like, it's not just the fact that you're strong, you have long arms, like you can dominate one-on-one, like making the right moves and like proverbial chess moves and knowing how to do different stuff is really kind of an art. Like, did you kind of learn that in college? Did you enjoy that piece of it? Like what's that kind of been like? Yeah, for sure. Like you definitely, it's almost like, um, it's weird. Cause like different things work for different people. Right. Like some people have a set move that they're going to run and they, they're going to try it pretty much no matter what set they get. And then there's other people who react based on what's going on in front of them and make a move. I've had coaches that tell me both have a, have a move in your head. And then some coaches that say, just go and react and just do whatever comes to mind once you get to the guy. Um, but that it's definitely been interesting trying it both ways. Um, I Sometimes I do one, sometimes I do the other. And it's just like the chess match of going against a guy over and over and over. Like It's like, that's why a lot of defensive linemen have to like warm up and as the game goes on, like you see a lot of sacks coming in like the third and fourth quarter, because that's when you have the time to really get a feel for what's going on and get warmed up. When the hand hits you, you're smacking it off without even thinking about it. You know, um, hitting your different moves and your counter moves and setting them up all game. You hitting them long arm, long arm, long arm. And then you go long arm and pull it out, hit them with a club and get past them, like things like that, that develop throughout the game. Um, I think that's very interesting. And developing that is what takes you to the next level as like a pass rusher. I love the little mini battles that go on on the field that like we can't actually hear, but you're on the field for like, are you, how vocal are you on the field? Like, are you a big shit talker? I imagine one of the most great positions you can possibly be in is when you like, you kind of go up against a left or right tackle or whatever is a couple of times. Like I got this dude. Like, do you, yeah. are you pretty vocal in that? Or do you just kind of let the, uh, the production speak for itself? Yeah, I would say, like, I just be saying, honestly, I'd be saying random stuff. Like, <laughs> it's not necessarily like you suck or you're trash or you can't block me. It's just like, I'll just be saying random things just to get them off the game or just to like, I like cracking jokes and stuff on the field, things of that nature. Now, if if I'm like trying to talk to you and you don't respond or something like that, 
or you trying to act tough or something like that. That's when I start like <laughs> talking cash or like yeah. being like, oh, you can't block me, stuff like that. Like I take that personally when somebody um, doesn't want to engage with me in the game and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I do like to talk because it's fun. You know, like when you, it's like coaches always say, if you're talking, that means you're not tired and you're not going hard enough. But I feel like when I'm talking and going at it with somebody, that's what gives me more energy. I forget how tired I am when I'm talking trash and, and getting hype and playing like that, you know? And do you know when you have a dude, I know you get moved around on different sides of the field, but like when you mm -hmm. have a mismatch and you know, you're better than the other guy, like, can you sense it pretty early? Yeah. Yeah. That's something, you know, pretty quickly. Like if you, it's like when you lay your, when you put your hands on somebody and like, they're like moving wherever you move them and like, you can like pretty much manhandle them. You get a feel for, how the game is going to go and how you're able to like dominate them as the game goes on. And, you know, that's nothing like, and I see that more of a, not a knock on the person, but more of a, a boost on yourself of how good you prepared and, and how well you've done with in the weight room and um, in practice throughout the year. But yeah, you definitely get a feel for, Oh yeah, this guy can't block me. Like we're on two different levels. So as you look forward to this year at Ole Miss, I, the one of the, the beautiful things about the transfer portal is it's allowed guys like you that were probably slightly under recruited but clearly can play at a higher level to kind of have the mobility to go prove that. And I always mm -hmm. find like the graduate transfer guys, like the guys that I have one year to kind of get tape. Obviously, mm -hmm. you want to win at the same time, but like, how do you view this year for yourself personally? Like, it's not like you're going to be here for a long time. You got mm -hmm. 12, 13, 14 games, whatever it may end up being. And then you're kind of off to the professional world. You know, you've seen a lot. You've been through a lot. Like, how do you kind of view this upcoming year for you personally? Um, I feel like it's definitely a – it's like a lot of people – it's corny. A lot of people say it's like a bad year. Like, you're trying to – Yeah, you're trying to but it is. Your, yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. Like, you're trying to secure your future, and that's definitely how I'm seeing it. It's like I always saw this as like a business trip. Like, I'm not a freshman coming in to get a degree or – enjoy my college time and all that. I'm just here to play football. Like it's almost like a, a prep year before going to the NFL and there's no better place to do it than the SEC, which is like the baby NFL, you know, with the amount of talent and the amount of size and good teams you're going to see on a weekend and week out basis. So like, I'm really just taking this as like a business trip to come in here, have fun, play a good season, win some games. Um, that's definitely the goal. And just enjoy my time, but also put my head down and get to work and, and, um, just look out, just like raise my head at the end of the tunnel and, and see light, you know, in the, in, the, in the opportunity to go to the NFL and hopefully the opportunity to win the SEC and, and compete in the college football playoff if everything goes right. You've been through a lot in these five years. I know you always probably believed in yourself, but do you ever think back? It's like, wow, this has come a long way from 17-year-old me ended up at James Madison. Yeah, that is, <laughs> it definitely has come a long way, and it's come a long way fast. Like, it, it just it just gets on you fast, like – uh, it seems like it's like especially with COVID like COVID really rapid fire like it's just like it feels like COVID like wiped out two years yeah it really you is know. it's wild to think about <laughs> yeah like I went into COVID I was like what like 19 and I came out like 21 I was like wow <laughs> that's a great way to put it honestly <laughs> yeah so um, it definitely went by fast but you know like I'm just I'm just taking it as it comes like you know it It'll make for a great story once I make it to the NFL. When you finally kind of get strapped up for y'all's first SEC game, like, have you thought about that a lot? Where like, I right, finally I'm doing this. I'm at the highest level of college football. Like, what do you think that moment will be like? I mean, hell, your first game, I believe, is against Alabama September 23rd. No better opponent to usher yourself into the SEC. Have you thought about that at all? Yeah, that's crazy. That like, no, like, <laughs> if there's a team you're gonna play as your first SEC game. No warm up there. Oh, that is the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's gonna be cool. Like, uh, I'm definitely excited. I can't wait. Like to um, to just suit up for Ole Miss in general. You know, it, it's crazy. I was talking to some of my teammates earlier. Like, it's like you're watching TV. They're like, these are all the games that you see after your game. Like after yeah. the, like after we play our game, uh, I'll go back home and I'm chilling. And then you see Ole Miss, Alabama. Auburn, Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, like, you know, those games. And it's crazy to think that I'm going to be playing in those games now. So uh, it's definitely really cool. And I'm definitely excited. One of the many interesting things about your story in general is like, you know, it's not just football. You have some other, a lot of other interests. Your podcast, as I was telling you before you started recording, is awesome. It's called the Off Schedule Podcast. 
I watched your interview with the girl from Dance Moms, which I'd be lying if I said I knew what Dance Moms was, but that's not really saying much. I'm not really a pop culture reality TV type guy, but <laughs> I was like encapsulated by it. And then I watched like a couple others and I was sitting at my day job. I worked for a private equity firm during my day job. I did this on the side and I was like, shit, I got to go back to work. I can't keep watching these videos. You're really, really good at what you do. You're a very good interviewer. Your co-host is awesome. How did you get into podcasting? Like, what? how did you get drawn to that type of interest? Um, so, you know, like during the pandemic, everybody was starting podcasts and things like that. Right. And Nothing I else started, to do. Yeah, exactly. And I just really enjoy like talking to people. Like, I really enjoy talking to people. I also enjoy editing and um, creating things like um, creating thumbnails and all that. Like I was doing graphic design in high school and stuff like that. And um, so I just thought it'd be great to be able to put both of those together, be able to edit, create thumbnails and interview people and talk to people. And I just thought it would be, I thought people would like to see it. And obviously people have been, I've been getting great feedback from the podcast and things like that. So that's really how I got into it. It's just me being bored and wanting to talk to people. How did you find a co-host? Because like, I'm the opposite. I came from a writing background. I got stuck on a radio job that I was not qualified for. They made me start a podcast. I'm very thankful they did now. And like, the idea that I can just put it in Adobe Audition and upload it is actually an accomplishment for my tech, uh, my tech lacking brain. But like, you start the podcast, I've tried to figure out like football guy, basketball guy, baseball guy, how do I find someone that's compelling? Your co-host is awesome. How did that come about? I know he's a teammate of yours. Like, how'd you figure out like, this is actually a pretty good fit? uh it was really because like i had just asked some of, my, some of my teammates to come on the podcast you know like the first time i did it and um he had came on and then my other friend tuck had came on and then one of my other teammates wes as well came on um for like the first couple episodes and then after tuck had transferred to um texas i was like and so i had stopped during the season i wasn't doing the podcast and then i i wanted to start it back up the following this past off season and then he was like he would come do it with me still you know since because he's been doing it with me before and then you know we just really just like fed off of each other and you know, like we went back and forth a lot like we argue a lot off camera and stuff like that so it definitely uh kind of shows its head in the podcast and things like that but yeah it was basically like he was just helping me out he was supporting me when I when I needed help and, and needed someone to do the show with and uh, I'm very grateful for it one of my favorite like small aspects of it is you guys are absolutely enormous human beings. You're division one athletes, but you have the mini mics. How did y'all decide on like the tiny toothpick sized microphone? I was like, shit, I need to get one of these. Where did y'all find that? How did that become a thing? So we saw it on, uh, Julio actually saw it on TikTok and he sent me the link of it. And it was only like $20 on Amazon. So I was like, oh yeah, that'd be perfect. Cause like up to that point, we had been using the mics on the, um, uh on the camera so like being and i just thought it'd be funny to just hold the little mics in front of us and have that <laughs> aspect of it um but like it was it was also a budget thing but you know uh yeah I feel well, that. i'm more recording yeah. with no mic right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'm definitely gonna be upgrading um uh to like some actual like big podcast mics um soon like I, i'm planning on dropping an episode actually on sunday i haven't dropped one like since i got to Ole miss but uh, I'm definitely I'm a, I'm a interview one of my teammates and, and drop that on Sunday. So look forward to that. One of the things that I like about what you guys do that I can kind of relate to is when I started doing this, I got out of sports journalism full time, started mm -hmm. doing this podcast with Robles Rebel Grove part time. And I've really enjoyed it. I probably wouldn't have it any other way now because it gives me the freedom to kind of do whatever I want to do. I don't really have to listen to a boss, an editor. And like in those down, like dead periods, it's like, okay, we're going to talk depth charts. Are we going to do this mindless, like first take sports debate? Or are we just going to talk to interesting people? And you guys have all kinds of different people on your show. You mentioned earlier, you like talking to people. That's one of the things I enjoyed about watching y'all's content is like, it doesn't really have to be sports related. Just have someone on that's interesting to talk to and the rest yeah. takes care of itself. And you kind of found that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I definitely... Like the podcast that I watch that I kind of like trying to base stuff off of is like flagrant is a big one. Impulsive is another one that I used to watch with Logan Paul. Um, and then also I don't really watch this a lot, but just seeing what Joe Rogan has been able to do with bringing yeah, on absolutely. like, yeah, bringing on random people that just have knowledge and information about certain things. Like that's definitely what I want to get into. Like 
astrophysicists or like physical trainers or like nutritionists or like just people who have information on random topics that people might like and people might find interesting. Like I like I've seen so many clips of when he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on and I'm not really into like physics or all that stuff, but just had just hearing him talk about it was just really interesting. So that's definitely what I want to get into. You have uh, you're majoring in computer information sciences, I believe. I think you graduated with that graduate degree. Obviously, at Ole Miss. Like, when did you? This sounds so dumb for someone who's not tech savvy. When did you figure out you were good with computers? Um, Just tech in general, I should say. I would say, man, I don't know. It was definitely like probably around high school time is when I knew because that's when I started like doing a lot of the graphic design stuff. That's when I started. Like, I had an old YouTube channel that I used to play. I used to play video games on, like. Okay. I had like a yeah, I had like a little capture card. I used to hook it up to my PS3 and like play video games like that, uh, and my PS4 as well and stuff like that. So like I was always like once I got into like high school gaming and tech and all that and design and all that stuff just started just started clicking for me and I started doing a lot of stuff with that. It's wild because I'm not I'd still do a podcast, but I'm not very tech savvy. Like if the tech guy like so you learned a lot about it. Yours is actually different though. You're not like a coder, right? Like that's a much different space. Like you're more in like I don't know if cybersecurity is the right way. How would you differentiate what you majored in versus like the guy that sits in the basement that co- that codes? Okay, so I would say so the guy, let's say, the guy that sits in the basement and codes, he like made Excel. He made Excel, like Microsoft Excel. Right. And what I would do is use Excel to manage, to help manage a company. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, would yeah, use yeah. it. Teach yeah, people so how to I'll, actually use it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be good at using Excel, showing people how to use Excel and getting the most out of Excel. He makes Excel. Like he codes up the app. Yeah. So it's like that. That's in particularly the the time that we're in that like that's probably the most useful degree you could possibly get. Have you found it wild with people that aren't tech savvy? Like for example, in my day job, if our office tech guy was like, "Your computer's not working," pour water on it. Like the tech guy said it. Fuck it, I'll do it. Like, have you found like like it's wild? Like you're very into it. You understand how it works, but like the gap between the people that don't understand how it works like seems very wide. Have you noticed that at all? Yeah, it's definitely crazy, and it's funny because. Technology is made to make things easier, but it's like it confuses people more. Yeah. Like with my parents, like my parents, they frustrate me with the technology <laughs> stuff. Like it literally tells you like the technology tries to tell you where to find everything, how to do everything. But they just have such a hard time figuring it out that it's just sometimes it's uh, unbearable. Last question I have is obviously you go through a huge year. The goal is obviously to get to the NFL and have a long career. But I imagine, you know, a lot of times with athletes, not everyone is multifaceted, but you're very good at podcasting. You're very good with everything technical that we just covered. I know you want to go to the NFL. You want to play in the NFL. But like, is it more of a sense of comfort that it's like, hey, if it doesn't work out, like I'm a pretty well-rounded human being. I got a lot of shit going for me outside of football. Does that kind of like ease some anxiety sometimes of the uncertainty of what your professional career might be? Yeah, for sure. And, and now that you mentioned that, that's a big thing that got me through the injuries. You know, like, really? yeah, with a lot of people, with a lot of people, like you, you get injured. To do. Yeah, you have nothing to do. But when I was hurt, I was still um, I was still doing things like I filmed a couple episodes of the podcast while I was hurt, you know, and still doing stuff and having other interests that were able to carry me when I wasn't able to access like football, which was my main interest. Um, but like, yeah, definitely. It does ease my mind. Um, it doesn't decrease my motivation at all to do it though. Like I, I at this point with all these injuries, it's like I it's like that you seen that Denzel Washington meme where he's like, I'm leaving yeah. here with something. Yeah. <laughs> After all these surgeries, I'm leaving here with something. So uh I'm still definitely motivated um to go make it to the highest level. But knowing that I have those things in my back pocket and like knowing that there's so many things like outside of football and like once my football career is over that I'm excited to do. Because um, I always used to tell my teammates and we always used to talk about like how if we put as much time as we put into football into anything else, we would be like wizard. Yeah, exactly. Like if you took all this time, like imagine if if four hours a day, two to four hours a day, you were like working on piano or something and you did that for six years in college, 
Like you would be crazy. Elton John. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm just excited to like, I'm excited to have my football career play through it. Hopefully retire when I'm like 36, 37, something like that. If I could, if these old knees will make it that far. And then once I'm done with that, just take the time I've been spending football and invest it in other things. And I'm I'm definitely going to be investing in it during my career, but like afterwards, just being able to invest it in other aspects of life, like family and build my podcast empire, my media empire and all that stuff is definitely going to be fun. That's awesome. He is Isaac Ukwu. I can't talk today. Ole Miss <laughs> transfer. I appreciate the time, man. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you for uh, hopping on this podcast. I wish you well this year. And hey, maybe we'll do it again sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. That'll do it for our show today. Thank you, as always, for listening. We've got SEC Media Days on tap next week. We'll start talking some football, getting a little bit more of a regular in-season podcast routine. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are, too. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, we'll catch you all next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.